Hello, and welcome to the Digital Turbine Report's Fiscal Second Quarter Results Conference Call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist for pressing a star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star, then one on your touchstone phone. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. Please note, today's event is being recorded. I now would like to turn the conference over to your host today, Brian Bartholomew. Mr. Bartholomew, please go ahead. Thanks, Keith. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Digital Turbine Fiscal 2022 Second Quarter Earnings Conference Call. Joining me on today's call to discuss our results are CEO Bill Stone and CFO Barrett Garrison. Before we get started, I would like to take this opportunity to remind you that our remarks today will include forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements are based on our current assumptions, expectations, and beliefs including projected operating metrics, future products and services, anticipated market demand, and other forward-looking topics. Although we believe that our assumptions are reasonable, they are not guarantees of future performance, and some will inevitably prove to be incorrect. Except as required by law, we undertake no obligation to update any forward-looking statements. For discussion of the risk factors that could cause our actual results to differ materially from those contemplated by our forward-looking statements, please refer to the documents we file with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Also, during this call, we will discuss certain non-GAAP measures of our performance. Non-GAAP measures are not substitutes for GAAP measures. Please refer to today's press release for important information about the limitations of using non-GAAP measures, as well as reconciliations of these non-GAAP financial results to the most comparable GAAP measures. Now I'll turn the call over to Chief Executive Officer, Mr. Bill Stone. Thanks, Brian, and thank you all for joining our call tonight. First, I want to formally recognize the amazing hustle and effort of the combined 1DT team. This is our first earnings call announcing a full quarter of results as one digital turbine, and I'm proud of being part of such an amazing team that is scaling together so quickly. It was just a few months ago in June that we were on our earnings call announcing our DT revenue results of just over $310 million for the full fiscal year, and today we're announcing quarterly revenue results that are ne nearly equal to those annual results from the entirety of last year. I'm pleased to be part of something growing so quickly and profitably. Also, I wanna remind investors that we'll be hosting an analyst day next week where we'll be able to go deeper on our business, including hearing directly from our partners, see demonstrations of our products, get a longer term growth model for our business, and finally, hear more details about the strategic vision of where we're heading. Tonight, I'm gonna to break my prepared remarks into four areas. First is some commentary on our consolidated results for the quarter, including a breakout of each of our segments. Second are some real-time operational updates. Thirdly, some updates on the strategic integration progress of wind digital turbine. And finally, I wanna provide some commentary on the current events going on in our industry and economy, such as regulations, supply chains, Apple's IDFA impact, and other consolidation and M&A activities. On a consolidated basis, we delivered just over $310 million in revenue and nearly $48 million in EBITDA. Compared to the September quarter of last year, this represents a 338 increase on an as-reported basis and a 63% increase on a pro forma basis for revenues and a 191% increase in EBITDA on a reported basis and over 130% increase in EBITDA on a pro forma basis. I was most pleased to see the operating leverage of the model with our combined entity as this strong revenue growth 
only required 13% operating expense growth. And as we've said on prior earnings calls, the ability for us to grow the top line faster than the expenses required to support it generates accelerating cash flows. And to support this point, I want to call out our all-time record of $40 million of free cash flow generated from the September quarter as a proof point of this strong operating dynamic and the health of our overall business model. Turning to the segment results, I want to remind investors that our results will be broken into three segments. The first is our on-device media business, which includes our app media, content media, and single tap business. The second segment is our ad colony business, and the third segment is our fiber business. Given that Digital Turbine, Ad Colony, and Fiber have all been public companies, we believe reporting these segments in the short term will provide investors the best comparison and transparency of results. Also, to make comparisons easier for investors, I'm going to refer to the Ad Colony and Fiber results as if we had owned them last year so we can discuss pro forma results. And as we go forward, we'll look to reorient our segments to better align with our go-forward strategies. But in the short term, we believe this is an easier apples-to-apples measurement of our results. First on our on-device media business, it set all-time revenue records in the September quarter and generated over $129 million in revenue, which is 73% growth year-over-year. Driving the strong organic growth with strong performance across the board in our content media, app media, and single tap business. Our U.S. revenues in our app media business in the last three September quarters has gone from 30 million in 2019, 40 million in 2020, to over 60 million this past quarter. We're happy to see 100% growth in our U.S. app media revenues over that time period, despite modest device growth. However, more impressively is our international growth in app media. In the September 2019 quarter, we did approximately $3 million in revenue. In September 2020 quarter, we did $8 million in revenue. And this past September 2021 quarter, we did over $20 million in revenue. That is over 500% growth from two years ago and 150% growth from last year. We saw devices be a growth driver for part of this revenue increase as overall devices rose by approximately 20% from a year ago but revenue per device, or RPD, was the real story. RPDs increased by nearly 50% in the U.S. compared to a year ago, and were up over 100% internationally from a year ago. And as we've discussed on prior earnings calls, RPD is a core health metric of our business as it showcases the value of our platform to advertisers and customers. And finally, it's important to note that this is all organic growth And now with our synergies from our acquisitions and continued expansion with new and existing partners, we are optimistic on continued growth from our app media business. In particular, we continue to see hyper growth of our single tap business that is now rapidly approaching a nine figure run rate annual business compared to being a seven figure business a year ago. Having single tap now fully integrated with our appreciate acquisition is a major driver of these accelerating growth results. Growth is both coming from U.S. and international, such as partners like Samsung. And in particular, our international single tap business has gone from basically nil a year ago to now a multi-million dollar quarter business. And last week, single tap was recognized by Ad Exchanger as the number one new demand side platform 
or DSP Technology Award for 2021. We are continuing to invest in the technology and we were just granted our second patent on single tap to extend to other device types. Meanwhile, our content media business has enjoyed similar accelerating results. In the September quarter of 2019, our content media business did a little more than $10 million in revenue. In September 2020, it did over 20 million, and this past quarter it did over 35 million. Again, this is all organic growth. I'm pleased to announce that we are expecting to launch our first content products with Verizon later this month and expect to launch with AT&T next quarter. In addition, we are expanding internationally with multiple OEMs in Asia and American Mobile in Latin America. Turning to our Ad Colony segment, Ad Colony had approximately 20% year-over-year growth comparing this September quarter to last September quarter. In particular, the Ad Colony brand business, which is highly strategic for our One Digital Turbine efforts, showcased approximately 40% year-over-year growth and accounts for the fastest growing portion of Ad Colony revenues. In particular, our North American brand business is performing well and not seeing any material slowdowns due to supply chain related issues. The less strategic performance business contracted in the quarter by 18%, primarily driven by Apple's IDFA changes, which I will speak more about later in my remarks. And for context, this IDFA impact accounts for approximately 1% of our consolidated revenues, so it is not material to our overall results. We continue to be excited with the expanding brand relationships in multiple industries and geographies with top tier names such as Starbucks, Procter & Gamble, BP, Nestle, and emerging new brands like Crypto.com. And as two simple examples, Starbucks has expanded its brand spend with Ad Colony by over 50% year over year as we now have more supply for them to leverage with our acquisitions. And McDonald's is in the process of expanding their Ad Colony brand relationship with us to include leverage in our single tap technology. Turning to Fiverr, Fiverr's full quarterly results were impressive, showcasing year-over-year -year growth of over 90%. Fiverr has achieved over 140% of last year's revenue in the first nine months of 2021 compared to the full year of 2020. And even more impressively, EBITDA in the same comparative period has increased over 700%. In other words, Fiverr is not only accelerating growth on the top line, but is now at that critical inflection point of scale that enables accelerating operating leverage in their core business. This impressive growth was driven by both rates and volumes. On rates, during the September quarter, Fiverr saw both impressions and ECPMs increase by approximately 40% compared to a year ago, while also increasing the volume of ads delivered by almost 50%. More specifically, fueling this strong growth was marketplace video, where we saw revenues more than triple year over year. Both Ad Colony and Fiber made strategic investments in video rendering of mobile ads over the past few years and are now capitalizing on the macro global tailwind of video ad formats as advertisers prefer the stickier, richer, and more price inelastic ad format compared to other di traditional digital formats. With these three segments in place, we are beginning to increase our focus on revenue synergies. Our synergy revenue run rate approached 10% of overall revenues as we exited the quarter. We are working on over a dozen different revenue synergies between the companies, 
whether that is ad colony on fiber supply, appreciate buying on fiber supply, or expanding ad colonies demand reach with digital turbines content media supply, just to name a few examples. In addition to the revenue these synergies create, many of these synergies also improve our gross margins while simultaneously delivering more value for our partners by taking unnecessary links out of the supply chain of digital advertising. This is a major strategic focus area for our team to accelerate our progress here. Now turning to the forward outlook, I want to provide some commentary on how we are positioned for continued growth. With our acquisitions, our growth levers of devices, products, and media have not changed. They've just been accelerated and expanded. First on devices, after many quarters of flattish to declining device sales in the United States, I'm pleased to announce that we grew devices nearly 10% in the U.S. and over 20% internationally compared to September quarter last year. We're also seeing over 40% of new devices sold with our largest U.S. carrier partners being 5G capable, which is a material increase compared to last year. And this is important because it drives richer video advertising. We've now passed 750 million devices that our software has been installed on. On the product front, our revenues from our dynamic installs grew by 25% year over year in the September quarter, but now re represent approximately 15% of our total consolidated revenues compared to over 50% last year as the company's been repositioned to a monetization over the life of a device company versus just a monetization at first activation company. Our revenues that occur over the lifetime of the device now represent over 80% of our total consolidated revenues compared to just over 40% last year. Diversifying away from revenues only attributable to first boot and monetizing over the life of the device has been a strategic priority for our business and this progress is material. I mentioned single tap as a major growth driver earlier in my remarks, but we're also looking to many other products to generate growth, such as notifications, discover bar, Fairbid, OfferWall, and Marketplace. In other words, diversification is working well to drive both top-line growth and no reliance on any single product to drive growth. And to further emphasize this point, this is also our first quarter where we do not have a single partner or customer that constitute more than 10% of our revenues. I now want to turn to our integration update. With the completion of the acquisitions, we've now successfully assembled the key pieces of our full stack end-to-end -end platform. I want to spend a minute here to highlight to investors what truly differentiates our end-to-end -end platform approach versus other industry players. First is having our technology on device. The software presence on underlying devices provides us distinct advantage, a critical one which is now our ability to use our patented single tap technology to drive materially higher conversion rates on our platform. Second is our independence. We have opted to vertically integrate by functionality, unlike many other industry players who have drifted into the content arena, thereby compromising their platform neutrality and posing potential conflicts of interest for other app publishers and advertisers on the platform. And finally, zoning the end-to-end -end network. So much of the supply chain of ad tech comes from companies that are many steps and many hops involved. One of the main reasons why companies like Google and Facebook have been successful is to have ownership of the end-to-end -end relationship to maximize benefits for both themselves and for advertisers 
while simultaneously allowing other players to plug in to their platforms to fill the white spaces. In essence, our on-device technology presence and independent approach make our platform more attractive to app publishers and advertisers trying to optimize monetization and return on investment. It's obviously early days, but we've already received positive feedback from numerous partners and customers validating our approach. To close out my prepared remarks, I wanted to provide some commentary on the macro and industry-specific events happening real-time. First on the macro environment, one of the great things about our business as a cloud-based mobile software company is that we don't have input or hard cost. Thus, our exposure to supply chain and inflation risks is muted relative to others. We've seen a couple advertisers rethinking their spends for the December quarter given supply chain constraints, but to date we estimate this to be low single-digit percentage of overall spends. In other words, it's not material. And regarding new device sales, while we do have to see some modest exposure to new device sales, but given over 80% of our revenues are from devices already in the hands of customers, this risk is also relatively small. On the regulatory front, we are seeing legislation around the globe about regulating big tech firms to offer more consumer choice and control. Societies in the midst of a debate around antitrust versus privacy and whether we want to consolidate power in the hands of a few in the spirit of privacy or offer customers the ability to choose the products they want versus being forced to use the products that the big tech firms want them to use. There's bipartisan legislation here in the United States looking at, that, looking at these dynamics closely. And from a DT perspective, we view this debate of privacy versus antitrust as a bit of a false narrative as we can be an option of choice for consumers with Verizon, AT&T, Samsung, or whoever, while simultaneously protecting privacy on device. We're closely monitoring these regulations and have already partnered and supplied input to regulatory authorities. We will discuss these dynamics in more detail at our analyst day on new business opportunities that may open up for us. But given our unique position with operators and OEMs, we see today's regulatory environment as a tailwind, not a headwind for our business. Regarding IDFA on Apple's iOS platform specifically, I believe all third parties have seen an impact, including us, on their performance businesses, while brand businesses have been more insulated. It's not material for us, as approximately 75% of our revenues are from Android and 25% are from iOS, and the mix shift towards Android has been accelerating. Thus, the IDFA impact is single-digit percentage of our consolidated revenues. And given we already support Apple's SKAD network integration, also known as SCAN, and our machine learning models improve on-device decisioning for third-party players, we do see this as a temporary phenomenon. But in the short term, IDFA is a headwind for all third-party performance players. We believe the largest players in the space are being hurt disproportionately the most as they are relying upon things like view through attribution that has become extremely difficult in a world without IDFA. However, what we believe makes us different from others is our concentration of brand dollars from Ad Colony that work both on iOS and Android and tend to be more price inelastic, our majority focus on Android, and our single tap capabilities. These positive factors are all growing faster than any negative IDFA impacts that we see. We'll break this dynamic down in more detail at our analyst day, but I think it's important for investors to understand which companies are relying upon IDFA as a core part of their business versus companies that have diversified options 
to mitigate any headwinds from Apple's choices. And finally, we've seen a large number of acquisitions in our space over the past few months. This is a positive as many companies like Digital Turbine are recognizing the importance of scale and taking point solutions out of the marketplace to be combined with other offerings, such as what we did earlier this year, to allow better experiences for customers and advertisers while simultaneously taking inefficiencies out of the market. And as mentioned earlier, we strongly believe the focused on-device race that we are running is unique and differentiated in the market and are going to continue to focus on that race while ensuring some of these macro things discussed earlier in my remarks allow us, as Wayne Gretzky famously said, skate to where the puck is going to be versus where it is now. That will be our inorganic and organic focus going forward. With that, this concludes my prepared remarks, and I'll turn it over to Barrett to take you through the numbers. Thanks, Bill, and good afternoon, everyone. We're excited to be announcing our first full quarter with the results of the newly joined acquisitions, and we're pleased with our strong second quarter performance across both our existing business and the performance on the newly acquired businesses as well. I will occasionally reference results on a pro forma basis, which reference, references quarterly results and comparisons as if all acquired businesses were owned for the second quarter of fiscal 2021. We believe these pro forma results provide additional insight into the underlying trends when comparing current performance against prior periods. My comments today will refer to comparisons on a year-over-year -year basis unless otherwise noted. Revenue of $310.2 million in the quarter was up 338% as reported in 63% on a pro forma basis. And adjusted EBITDA increased to $47.9 million, growing 191% year-over-year, and adjusted EPS of $0.44 cents per share increased 193% year-over-year. On-device media revenue, which represents existing revenue derived from the company's application media inclusive of single-tap, DSP, and content media and, and platform products, increased 73% year-over-year to $129.4 million. Total in-app media ad colony revenue contributed $61.5 million during the quarter and was up 19% on a pro forma basis. Our in-app fiber business contributed $125.7 million during the quarter and was up 93% on a pro forma basis. Our non-GAAP gross profit was up 210% to $94 million, which was up 55% on a pro forma basis. Gross margin on the platform was 30% in Q2 and reflects our current business segment mix now that a full quarter of results are reflected for our acquisitions. While our gross margins in the quarter are impacted by the business mix of the new acquisitions, we experience consistent margins in our existing core on-device business. We delivered continued impressive expense scale on the platform. As cash expenses were $46.1 million in the quarter, or 14.8% of revenue, down from 21% of revenues in the prior year and our cash expenses only increased 13% year-over-year on a pro forma basis, while revenues were up over 63% in the period. Total operating expenses were $76.7 million, including approximately $9.2 million in transaction-related costs, and compared to total as-reported operating expenses of $17.6 million in the prior year. As an update, the integration of the acquisitions is progressing nicely. 
and we anticipate certain cost benefits to be realized over the coming quarters as integration efforts are successfully implemented to further improve our operating leverage. I'm also pleased that operating leverage and consistent EBITDA growth is being achieved even as we continue to make a number of focused near-term investments, primarily within our sales force and technology teams to support new products and partners to drive future incremental revenues on the platform. In this context, we would expect our EBITDA margins to continue to expand over time given the inherent operating leverage in our business and the return to be realized from our near-term investments and synergies. <clears throat> I continue to be pleased with our profitability and free cash flow delivered by our business. In the quarter, we achieved non-GAAP adjusted net income of $45.3 million or $0.44 cents per share as compared to $14.5 million or $0.15 cents per share in the second quarter of 2020. Adjusted EBITDA of $47.9 million was up 191% over prior year. Our gap net loss was $5.9 million, or $0.06 cents per share, based on 102.7 million diluted shares outstanding, compared to a second quarter of 2020 net income of $0.4 million income, or $0.00 cents per share. Our gap net loss included a $22.1 million charge for the contingent consideration related to the fiber and ad colony acquisitions, and also included $9.2 million in transaction-related costs in the quarter. We also experienced certain favorable tax benefits in the quarter, resulting primarily from stock comp expenses. These non-recurring tax benefits drove a favorable gap effective tax rate in the quarter. Free cash flow from the quarter was $39.9 million enabling us to exit the quarter with $95.5 million in cash balances. Our debt position was $260 million, consisting of $247.1 million drawn against our $475 million revolving credit facility, inclusive of the $75 million accordion feature, plus $13.4 million in debt assumed through the fiber acquisition. Our net debt position at the end of the quarter was $164.6 million. I'll note we are currently comfortable with our existing capital position to fund the remaining earnout obligations and the needs of the business operations with our available open revolving line, the cash on hand, and the free cash flows generated from our business. With our expanded credit facility, a healthy balance sheet, and strong free cash flows combined with the transformative new acquisitions added to the platform, we're excited and poised to execute on our growth plans for fiscal 22 and beyond. Now let me turn to our outlook. We currently expect revenue for Q3 to grow to between $350 million and $355 million, which represents growth of 30% on a year-on-year -year basis. We expect adjusted EBITDA to grow to between 53 and 56 million and non-GAAP adjusted net income per sh diluted share to be between 41 cents and 44 cents based on approximately 105 million diluted shares outstanding and an effective tax rate between 15 and 20% on our non-GAAP adjusted net income. In closing, we're extremely pleased with our performance in the quarter and the continued focused execution from our team. I'm excited to build on the momentum and success in the second half of our fiscal year. With that, let me hand it back to the operator to open the call for questions. Operator? Yes. 
Yes, thank you. At this time, we will begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star, then one, on your touchtone phone. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your hands up before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star, then two. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble the roster. And the first question today comes from Anthony Stoss with uh, Craig Hallam. Hey, guys. Congrats on the uh, results. Bill, if you wouldn't mind, and, and I, I guess an additional congrats on the Verizon and HAC content wins, can you maybe size that opportunity for each of those for uh, DT going forward? And then also, I think on the last quarterly conference call, you talked at length about the upcoming uh, notifications product launch. Uh, I'm curious where we stand on that. I know you talked about several products on the call, but any additional details in terms of timing of these product launches would be helpful. Thanks. Yeah, hey, thanks, Tony. Um, yeah, as far as uh, Verizon and AT&T go, you know, how we think about it conceptually is, you know, we just we just talked about, you know, $35 million in, in quarterly revenue in the content media business. Um, the, the, the biggest driver of that is our relationship with uh, T-Mobile. And if you think in, in rough terms that T-Mobile is a third of the market, Verizon's a third of the market, and AT&T is a third of the market, um, you know, that's how we probably think about the, the opportunity for us. I mean, that's not to mean we think that's going to happen in December quarter, but as we think about it, you know, more strategically as we go forward in time, you know, that's how we'd probably break down the, the market opportunity for that on the, on the content media side. So we're excited to get going here in, in early days with Verizon and then get going next quarter with the AT&T on that. Um, yeah, regarding notifications, um, you know, we're starting to see some, you know, some, some significant, uh, you know, movement in revenue there. You know, it's, it's, it's not as uh, big as our single tap business, but it definitely is, is growing. It was basically, uh, you know, nil business, uh, you know, last year and now seven figure plus business for us today uh, and, and growing. Um, how we actually see that product is actually packaging up. Um, you know, that product with some of our brand relationships that we have on the ad colony side, we're, we're excited about that uh, development. And one of the things you saw in our business, uh, you know, as we talked about our revenue per device, you know, growing by 50% year over year uh, here in the United States. And, you know, the driver for that was, was more media dollars, but it was also more products, uh, including things like notifications, uh, you know, now starting to have an impact on the overall RPD metrics. So, you know, we're really excited about the diversification of, the, of what we're doing here. And uh, for you that have been around, uh, you know, the story for a long time, remember when, when dynamic installs was, was the majority part of our business. And, you know, now it's a very much a small part of our business, even though it's, it's still growing. So, you know, we're excited about all the diversification that we have. If I could sneak in one, one further quick one, um, any uh, new updates in terms of Samsung's uh, launch of SingleTap? And I'm just curious if you've been approached by other OEMs or when do you think you can start uh, unloading additional OEMs for a similar agreement? Yeah, we're we're in we're in the process of, of ramping and scaling with Samsung. You know, right now, um, you know, we started in Brazil. Uh, you know, they went to you know the rest of Latin America. We're in the process now of getting into Europe and, and scaling up in Europe. And you know, we'll look to you know expand to other geographies um, over time. So we're we're in the process of doing that real time um, right now. And then we're just also starting to get going with other OEMs uh, as well. Uh, it's early days, and obviously the volumes aren't as material as they are with Samsung. But I think the important point here is you're seeing you know, diversification, whether that's other OEMs, whether it's Samsung, whether it's Verizon, whether it's AT&T, American Mobile, or, or what have you. you know, there's a lot of supply sources for us out there to help continue to grow and scale the product. Thanks, Bill. Congrats again. Right, thanks, Tony. Thank you. And the next question comes from Tim Horan with uh, Oppenheimer. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, two questions. One, uh, the IDFA impact, is that largely done at this point sequentially, or do you expect another you know, quarter or two of impact? And uh, secondly, on single tap, can you just talk about customer interest a little bit more, uh, you know, how many customers you have on it now and, you know, uh, how many 
you know, what's the ramp there over the next year or so? Thanks. Yeah, sure, Tim. Yeah, on IDFA, you know, as I said in my prepared remarks, um, you know, I think everybody that's advertising on Apple is impacted in some way, shape, or form, especially people that are performance uh, players. And what performance I mean is people that, uh, you know, you're trying to get somebody to do a specific action, you know, not just watch a video of buying a new car, but, you know, a, install this app on your phone kind of, kind of uh, advertising. Uh, and the players that have, I think, been disproportionately hurt by IDFA, uh, and you've seen some of them come out and talk about it in their earnings releases, are the ones that have been, you know, the larger players that are overly lying upon, you know, the IDFA capabilities to, to match up. Say, I saw a Starbucks ad, and I'm a big player. Um, I didn't click on it. I just saw it. And then I can match an IDFA that somebody might have went to the App Store and downloaded that app. And you may not even clicked on it, but they could claim attribution and therefore get paid. Um, you know, those kind of things are gone now. And so I think players that were relying upon those things which was not digital turbine, um, are, are ones that are being impacted disproportionately there. Um, you know, for us, in our, as I mentioned in my remarks, in our performance business uh, on Ad Colony, you know, we saw, you know, we saw some sequential down um, activity as a result of IDFA, but for us, you know, it was roughly 1% of our consolidated revenue, so it wasn't material because we're just not relying upon uh, you know, things that are dependent upon IDFA like other players. Um, but what I do expect over time is, is this to normalize. And I, I agree with, you know, other uh, companies that have made the comments that you know, as we get into uh, 2022, we'll see this normalize. I think what you've been seeing so far is a lot of people that were spend, spending budgets to drive performance or direct response type of things. You know, maybe they're spending $100 before IDFA. You know, they tapped the brakes. Now they're spending $50. Uh, and they want to kind of see how the dust settles uh, before they go back up to 100 and what their return on ad spend expectations are. Uh, but ultimately, you know, consumer eyeballs are on iPhones, and uh, people will, I think, figure out how to get that spent back, whether that's uh, using things like integrating with Apple's SK Ad Network or other kind of on-device machine learning models or, you know, kind of other things. That Those things will, will happen in time. Uh, but I think, you know, in terms of the current quarter, um, less so for Digital Turbine, maybe more so for other players. I think there's definitely some headwinds there. And then on your second question around uh, on single tap and, and, and customers, you know, the great thing about um, what we're excited about is, you know, we've been generating the results um, that we've been generating with roughly a dozen plus advertisers. It's not like it's thousands. Um, and so now we're just in the process of, of scaling those. So we've been, you know, doing great things with companies like Twitter that we've been, you know, ramping with. Um, I mentioned in my remarks that we're just getting going in the current quarter with companies like McDonald's. Uh, we expect to expand that number um, dramatically through our own direct relationship with Appreciate. And then we'll look over in time to um, scale single tap to other distribution channels, whether that's larger social media players, uh, you know, or other companies that have large audiences that want to take advantage of the, the single tap capabilities. So, um, you know, our excitement level here is that, you know, we, we're just getting going on expanding the supply with the Verizons and Samsungs, and now that's really opened up the chicken or egg to now expand the demand side of it um, with all these new advertising relationships. So it gives a lot of optimism as we head into 2022. Thank you. Thank you. And the next question comes from Darren Aftahi with Roth Capital Partners. Uh, hey, guys. Thanks for taking my uh, questions. Um, two, if I may. Um, first, Bill, you talked a little bit about cross-synergies. I think you had referenced 10% and mentioned McDonald's and Starbucks. I, I'm just kind of curious, what does the pipeline kind of look like for supply and demand products that you now have on your ad stack and then your core DT in terms of, like, where have you seen kind of the most opportunity, low-hanging fruit, what's going to be more of a kind of inter intermediate-term uh, impact, and maybe what regions of the world? 
And then uh, on your Samsung commentary, I think last quarter you talked about expanding um, single tap and, and the whole network globally. How much of a needle mover was that, if any, in the quarter? And if not, will that start to kind of uh, light the fuse in, in uh, the December quarter? Thanks. Yeah, hey, thanks, Darren. Um, yeah, first on, on the synergies, as I mentioned, we, we affectionately call it internally the Da Vinci Code, where we've got these uh, dozen-plus synergies that we track on a, on a weekly basis. And, uh, you know, really just about – you know, how we mix and match all the, all the different combinations between the companies. Uh, and so, you know, we're excited to see some real positive growth and momentum there. But, you know, just to highlight some of that I think that I'm probably most excited about, uh, you know, first is just leveraging our Appreciate DSP and, um, you know, allowing, uh, you know, our clients from both the fiber uh, and ad colony and DT side to leverage Appreciate's capabilities. Um, you know, that's number one with single tap. Uh, you know, number two would be the ability to take our ad colony demand and leverage it on fiber supply. You know, one of the, always the constraints on the, the ad colony business is, you know, a company like McDonald's may say, hey, here's a million dollars to go spend, and, you know, here's what we're looking for in terms of uh, segments and targets and positioning for return on ad spend. But maybe ad colony could only have the supply to deliver $100,000 of that spend. Um, against that target. Well, now with this expanded supply um, with fiber, you know, now the opportunity is to spend more of that budget that, you know, a company like McDonald's would, would want to spend. So, you know, that's an immediate uh, revenue synergy for us, uh, you know, as well. And then the final part is then just being able to package up, you know, the user acquisition capabilities we have, whether that is through single tap or through our dynamic install business uh, or through our wizard products and being able to package that up to, um, our publisher and advertising partners, you know, is, is, is another opportunity for growth. So when we go in and talk to them about, you know, things like, uh, you know, mediation, uh, you know, or expanding our relationships with other kinds of products like that, um, it offers up, as, uh, you know, incremental opportunities and differentiating things that others in the marketplace might not be able to offer. And then as far as your last question on the single tap and the needle mover in the quarter, yeah, I mean, it, it, in, in percentage terms, it was it was nice growth. In terms of needle moving against a $310 million quarter, uh, yeah, no, it didn't move the needle in, in, in those kind of terms. Um, but we're, we're laying the foundation. It's kind of, as I said in my quote in the, in the press release, was, you know, really about getting some of these foundational elements uh, established. So when we look at growth drivers into uh, 2022 and beyond, you know, the kind of things that we're doing now position us well. Can I squeeze in one more? You, you mentioned uh... – gaining a patent uh, for your IP on single tap for um, devices outside of mobile. Um, can you speak to that um, and with the opportunity in connected TV, you know, is that an opportunity for, for apps? I know we've talked about this in the past, but is that sort of a, a real world opportunity in your term or just walk me through that, that logic? Yeah, one of the things that, you know, we're excited about is, and we've talked about this for a while, is, you know, we've been focused on smartphones because of just the sheer volume, right? You're talking about a billion plus uh, that get sold every every year. Um, so there's just the volume is there, and we focus there. But, you know, as we think about the addressable market for our company, um, it goes much beyond that, right? It goes, you know, you mentioned TVs and, you know, Internet of Things and tablets and PCs and all, all kinds of all kinds of different uh, things that we're, we're excited about. Um, you know, I think it's important for us to think about our technology in that context as well. So as we go forward, we can offer consumers better experiences in terms of delivering apps or content to whatever the device they're on, um, you know, leveraging some of the things we've done on smartphones. That's a natural extension for us. Uh, it's not anything that's going to show up in the December quarter. Uh, but as we, again, as we think about how the company's strategically positioned and, and what I'll call is we're walking and chewing gum here in terms of, you know, focused on the short term and just delivering and executing on the quarter, but also looking around the next corner and where we want to be, um, you know, these are the kind of things that get me excited about our ability to do both. Thanks, Bill.
Thank you. And the next question comes from Austin Moldau with Canaccord. Uh, thanks. Um, can you walk through the, the puts and takes for that ad colony growth number in the quarter, especially since performance is a relatively small piece? I'm curious what, you know, what's been slowing down. Yeah, so so when we when we say a um, our our performance business was was challenged a bit in the quarter, it is a relatively smaller piece. Um, but with respect to you know the focus in our in our brand business that actually accelerated year on year, um, it didn't you know it in combination we grew close to twenty percent. Um, you know some of that. IDFA that uh, Bill focused on that that we outlined was um, you know a small percentage of the impact and headwind in the quarter. It occurred in our in our, our performance area of the business, Austin. So anyway, that's the that's the outline of you know kind of those two puts and takes for uh, you know ending up in an overall growth position in ad colony. And, and, you know, and okay. I'll just add, just want, I just want to add some color on that, some more, you know, more strategically above and beyond, uh, you know, kind of the quarter over quarter numbers. Um, you know, is, is the thing that got us excited about Ad Colony um, was just the amazing job they did with brand and with video. And, you know, that's where the business grew. That's where we're focused on. Um, you know, I think, some, you know, I think there's a lot of, you know, juice still left in the squeeze on some of these other legacy businesses they have, um, you know, as we go forward with some of the things we talked about already in some of the other Q&A. Um, but the, the brand thing is I'd really highlight because that's the synergistic part that really fits hand in glove with what we're trying to do um, with our core DT on device business and the, and the fiber business. So, um, you know, that's something, you know, we think it's performing really well and, and, and we're excited about. Okay, great. Um, now, instead, kind of looking ahead, what are the major growth drivers for fiber specifically um, over maybe the next you know, couple of quarters or so? Yeah, I think on the on the fiber side, um, there's a, there's a few drivers. Um, you know, number one is continuing to expand more and more publishers uh, to the platform. Um, you know, fiber's done a, a, is done an amazing job, specifically uh, you know overseas and in, in markets like APAC uh, in terms of showing really strong growth. So there's a, a lot of publishers I think still to add you know there in terms of just I I expanding the addressable supply would be number one. Um, number two is continue to bring more demand uh, to the platform, and you know whether that's through uh, things like Appreciate and Ad Colony, or whether that's other integration things that can be done with through uh, the Trade Desk or Google. Um, you know, bringing more of those demand dollars, uh, you know, into that supply um, with more scale. Uh, so I think that would be you know area number two that I would think about. And then area number three I'd think about is expansion of new products. And so uh, you know, you know, Fiber's been you know heavily uh, dominant with their marketplace or exchange product. Um, their mediation product uh, and their you know, offer wall product are all things I think have some nice room to run. Uh, so I think those would be the three drivers we'd see for them going forward. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. And the next question comes from Tim Nolan with Macquarie. Hey, guys. This is Chris Quintero on for, for Tim. Uh, thanks for taking the questions. Um, so given your uh, on-device business is, is on Android and what is what's what's the kind of like sense that you guys have gotten from the incremental ad budgets that you've been able to receive um, because of mobile budgets shifting to Android from iOS, given IDFA impact, so you're seeing more advertisers coming to you now, our current clients increasing their spend. What are you kind of seeing there? Uh, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a really uh, I think it's a really interesting dynamic for us is because you know I mentioned on the uh, I mentioned on the call that. Uh, you know, we're roughly 75% Android, 25% iOS. But if I want to go back in time a few quarters, 
uh, and look at that on uh, you know a pro forma basis. You know, it's kind of closer to 65-35 um, a few quarters ago. So what you're seeing is this migration of spend increasing towards Android um, for digital turbine um, relative to iOS. And I think, you know, that that's due to a few things. Um, obviously, single tap would be a driver of that. Um, also, I think the second driver of that would be, at the end of the day, advertisers are looking for people that meet a specific profile. They're not saying, I want an Apple user or I want an Android user. They're saying, hey, I want a male or female that fits this target with these characteristics. And um, whether they're using Android or iOS, they're, they're less interested in. They're interested in how can I reach that person with the most efficient spend. Uh, and given that we're seeing right now is that, you know, our ability with single tap and our other products, you know, we can do that perhaps more efficiently than that advertiser could do on Apple. Um, so therefore, you're seeing those dollars that would shift over uh, in our direction. So that becomes a, a little bit of a tailwind uh, for us. So, um, you know, we're starting to see that trend move over to Android. I think we'd expect to see that continue um, over time, uh, or at least over the next few quarters. And as I mentioned to Tim's question earlier, um, I think that'll settle out as we get into the middle of 2021. And, you know, some of these machine learnings and SK ad network integrations and, you know, people just get smarter on spends and so on. Got it. And then one more, if I can. Um, with a lot of the, the consolidation that you guys called out uh, going on in the industry, are there any kind of products or maybe adjacent kind of marketing areas that you're particularly interested or are looking to add to your, to your current setup? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're really excited about some of the developments that are happening right now for us to you know, continue to grow our business. So we, we think we're really in a, in, a, in a perfectly positioned place right now. And whether it's the consolidation, whether it's the regulations, um, you know, that are coming down the pike, um, or just some of the other industry events that are going on, um, you know, we think we're in a pretty good place to expand into other adjacencies. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that on our uh, analyst day next week. So look forward to sharing some of those details with you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And the next question comes from Alan Clee with Mixum. Uh, good, good afternoon. With, with your relatively newer business mix, how do you think about your long-term margin opportunity? Yeah, Alan, um, you know, we, we see things coming from, you know, enhancements to our margins coming from a few different places. Um, so I'll start with we would we would see those those margins expanding over time as as we as we saw with you know the existing core on device business over time. Um, you know a couple areas that we'd see <laughs> as catalysts for expanding margins. One is we put new products on. Um, two as we you know realize the synergies we're talking about as as having you know within our, our vertical integration strategy we have more opportunities. Um, to, to expand those margins. Um, and, you know, as, as we continue to launch and, and ramp, um, you know, our, our products like SingleTap and others, um, we'll, we'll also begin to optimize the, the yields in those businesses. Um, but to answer your question, um, you know, we, we see those margins expanding, um, you know, north of 30%. We do anticipate talking a bit about uh, more about kind of our our growth model on our analyst day, um, but you should expect over time those those margins to accrete north of uh, north of 30 percent certainly. Um, the second point I'd make is beyond gross margins is, you know, we're, we're thrilled as you can tell from our comments about the operating leverage in the business and the expanding EBITDA margins and operating income margins. Um, we see we see a lot of opportunity 
and those margins continue to expand, especially as the, you know, the new acquisitions begin to kind of fuel some of that increased operating leverage from where they stand today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Thank you. And as that does conclude the question and answer session, I would like to return the floor to Bill Stone for any closing comments. Yeah, thanks everyone for joining the call tonight. And we'll look forward to reporting on our progress against all the points we made on tonight's call. And we'll talk to you again on our fiscal 21 third quarter call in a few months and hopefully see many of you uh, next week at our earnings call. Thanks, or excuse me, on our analyst uh, day next week. Thanks and have a great night. Thank you. The conference has now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. May not disconnect your lines.